Welcome to IEC. My name is Pastor Mike. I am one of the staff here at the church. Uh, this is a, a very sad day to, to celebrate. So, as I was thinking and uh, reflecting about the Good Friday, uh, I was saying, what's so good about Good Friday? It doesn't sound good. You know, the stories that we just read and the songs that we just sung, it's, it's very sad, it's sober. And I, I began to think of uh, what it used to be like when I was growing up in the Orthodox tradition. So we don't call it Good Friday, we call it Siklet. Siklet means crucified. So there is nothing good about that too. So as I was growing up and I was reflecting and thinking, um, what is so good? It, it, was, it was not a good day for me. Good Friday was not a good day for me growing up for, for two reasons. The main reason is those on that week, it's a fasting day. It's a, literally, it's a fasting week. But starting from Friday, Saturday, we have to fast. And there is no food in the house. So I grumbled. It was not a good day. I was young, and I wanted to eat, and there is no food at home. And on top of that, there is another thing that we, we do. We do something called sigdat. I don't know if you have seen it being done. You know, you just bow your head like this, and you go down, and then you come up. Hundreds of times, you know, I lost count. Sometimes I want to count how many times I do that. Like you literally do like this, one, two, three, go down, and you come up, you do that. And uh, so many times, you, you'll, you'll try to count it, but it's impossible to count. So imagine with an empty stomach, doing all of those things was not a good day. I think you can agree with me that Friday, is not a good day for me. So I don't have a very good memory of that Friday. I don't remember about the cross, you know, the pain and the suffering that Jesus went through. But I was thinking about my pain. I was thinking about my empty stomach. And I did not feel good. So in, in the evangelical traditions, in other traditions, people try to celebrate. I was thinking of how do people celebrate Good Friday? And I, I came across, you know, the way in Philippines especially, how they, they celebrate uh, Good Friday. And people literally, they hung themselves on the cross and they tried to enact what Jesus did. And it is, it's nice sometimes even to be hung like a Jesus. I, I always wonder why would people hang themselves enacting the, the robbers? One thing, it's one thing to, to hang like Jesus, but why would you eat as a robber? So people try to celebrate it in so many different ways. And I also think that it's not a good day for Jesus. So where did this word Good Friday comes from? So I did a little bit of reading, and I found that it used to be called God's Friday. And some, some also called it Holy Friday, Great Friday, Sorrowful Friday, but it ended up being called Good Friday. But was it a good Friday for Jesus? 
I don't think it was a good Friday. It was a very difficult Friday for Jesus. In Mark 14, Jesus says, My soul is overwhelmed to the point of death. He was in pain. He was in agony. He even prayed, Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. Would you take this cup away from me? Not as I will, but as you will. For Jesus, it was not walking in a park. It was not, okay, well, hold on a minute. Let me go crucify myself and I'll come back. It was the most painful, the most agonizing experience for Jesus. But you see, Jesus knew what was happening and he was ready for it. But it was painful. It was death and agony that's awaiting for him. So my passage for us this morning is, is come, it comes from John 3, from starting from 16 to 17. And uh, let me tell you why I picked this passage. This passage, we used to have a program called Awana here in this church, like uh, 20 or something years ago. It's for the young, below the ages of 12. So this is the very first verse that we encourage the young. They were like six, uh, maybe eight or, or nine, around those ages. We encourage them to memorize this verse. And it's such a joyful experience for them to hear them recite all of those things. And I began to think that, okay, this is like kids' verse. This is for the young. No, this is not for the learned. This is not for the educated. This is for children. I even encourage my kids to memorize this verse. And I always, when I come across this, say, okay, this is for children. So I leave it aside. So I believe it has a lot to say for us even this evening. That's why I picked it. So let me read John 3. I should read it from memory, but let me <laughs> read it for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whosoever does not believe stands condemned already, because he has not believed in the one, in the name of God's one and only Son. Let us pray. Our Father, we thank you for this evening. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your love that's expressed in sending your Son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins. Lord, we, we want to experience this love deeply. We want to surrender our lives to you fully, Lord. So would you help us as we discuss this passage, as we think about your goodness that's expressed in sending your Son, Jesus, to die for us on the cross. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So what's good? What's so good about this Good Friday? So I want to suggest three things. 
that I think, that I believe is good about this Good Friday. The first thing I would suggest is that God loved me. God loved the world. You know, as I was thinking, for God so loved the world, it's very big. How can God love the world? It's so sinful. It's evil. But God chose to love the world. For the first believers, for the Jews who are thinking about, who are hearing this, this message, God loves the world is so irritating to their ears because they think that God loves me. God loves the Jews. That's what they want to hear. But hearing that God loves the whole world is foreign to their ears. So for, for us also to hear that God loves us, God loves the world, is so big. We are included in that family. God is not only concerned about the Jews, as the people were thinking. God's agenda is for the whole humanity. They were so narrow-minded, but God broadened it. It says, I love everyone. My love is for everyone. And even in, in Ephesians, Paul said, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Jesus Christ. We were far away. We were separated from God. We were without hope. But God through Christ brought us near. God loves the whole world. God's love is for everyone. God's love is to all. Sometimes... I think that, you know, I can't understand God loves me. I love it when God loves me. I can only think of God loving me. I don't think about other people. I don't think about those people who are outside, those who are annoying me, those especially the, the, the vendors, street vendors who are selling fruits. I don't think God loves them. You know, I don't think of them. You know, I only think that God loves me. That's the thing I want to hear. But how wrong I was. God's love is for everyone. It may sound simple, but in, especially in this moment where people are very selfish, where we are really thinking about our, ourselves, our tribes, our nationalistic agendas, where we're thinking of only our own households and not caring for other people. I believe it's so profound that we come to understand that God's love is for everyone, even to those people whom we disagree, even to those people whom we, whom, you know, they come from a different tribe, speak different language, think differently than us. We, we have this tendency to, to, to congregate amongst ourselves, you know, speak the same language and thinking less of others. But God's love is for the world. God's love is for everyone. And it's not only talking love. You know, I always say to my wife, I love you. I'm sure many of us <laughs> does that. I don't do that very often, but sometimes I do that. And if you love me, do this for me. <laughs> you know, if you show me by your action. <laughs> And, uh, you know, talking is cheap. That's what they say. You know, you have to <laughs> do it in action. Show it in action. And God's love is action-packed. You know, it's not only talking like me. I love you, I love you, I love you. 
but his love is action-packed. It said, he demonstrated his own love in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's not when we were so nice, it's not when we were dressed up, it's not when we did something great that God loved us. He loved us in our lowest state. He loved us even when we were sinners, even when we are in trouble. That did not deter him from loving us, from coming to save us. So if this love, if we really understand this love, then this love should compel us to action too. That's what Paul said, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. So if we really understood God's love, then it should compel us to action because God's love is action. Uh, I was hearing uh, one, uh, one guy, uh, one of the, the, the founders of the Navigator Ministry, he said, uh, Emotion um, is nothing without action. You know, we can feel emotional. We can feel love. We can, you know, do that. But without action, it's nothing. We have to act on that love. So as we think of this love, as we think of God's love towards us, expressed in, in Jesus dying for us, then it should compel us for action. The implication of the cross should motivate us to embrace God's agenda as ours, to leave aside all those things that divide us and to come together as one people, as God sees us. So what's good about Good Friday? I would say the first thing is God loved us. He showed us his ultimate love in sending his son Jesus Christ to die for us. I want to encourage us or challenge us to think of this love that is for everyone. As you walk down the streets, you may see people who are different from you or speaking different language from you, especially in this challenging season. Let God's love bring us all together because God's love is for the world and it is for everyone. The second thing that's good about this Good Friday, besides, you know, all the grumblings and the, the bowing down and everything that I experienced, that I began to think, is he removes all condemnation from us. Because he said, whosoever believes in him will not perish. They will not be condemned. There is no condemnation. The reason Jesus came to the world is not to condemn us. Even in uh, Romans 8, 1 says, Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. In Genesis, you remember the story in Genesis chapter 3, when Adam and Eve failed to obey God, when, the, when they disobeyed Him, when they eat the forbidden fruit, God came to Adam and said, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. 
Through painful toil, you'll eat, all of, you'll eat of it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plant of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to ground. Since from it you are taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. Because of Adam's disobedience, because of Adam's and Eve's disobedience, the whole world is cursed. And Jesus' death removes that condemnation away from us. I love, uh, you know, we, we sang this song, It's Well With My Soul. And on that it says, My sin, or oh, the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin not in part, but the whole, every bit of it, is nailed to the cross. And I bear it no more. Yes, I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Our sin is nailed to the cross. Our condemnation is nailed to the cross. It's a good Friday. Amen? It's a good Friday. The third thing I want to suggest for us this evening is He gave us eternal life. He said, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, who whosoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting love. God's desire for you and I is to give us eternal life. But the way I imagined eternal life is something that is distant, something that is far away, something that I will get when I die. You know, when I also, uh, you know, go out, sometimes we, we go out for this evangelistic uh, outreach, something. So we tell people, you know, you have to believe in Jesus. You know, Jesus died for you uh, to save you. And when you believe in him, you'll enter into paradise and you will live in eternity with him. And, and, and we say this is for your future. Your future is secure and guaranteed. That is true. Our future is guaranteed in Christ. But what about the present? This life that Jesus is talking about is for the present. He gave us eternal life now, starting from now. It's not for something distant. The newness that we experience in Christ is for now, for the present. It's not like we live our life the way we want, and when we go to heaven, you know, we, we believe in Jesus, then we will enter into heaven. But what about now? It is in the present. For now, this life starts now. It begins now. You have eternal. He gave us eternal life now in the present. So in, in John, 1 John 5, 11, it says, this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. So when you have Christ in you, when you put your faith and trust in Christ, you have eternal life. Because this life is only found in His Son, in Christ. It is Good Friday. Because He has given us life.
You know, I came to understand about this life later on. And uh, I stopped grumbling when we celebrate <laughs> Good Friday. <laughs> because now I, I live in a different household. There is food in our house <laughs> on Friday. <laughs> Not only food, uh, but you know, we, we have bug, we have doro. <laughs> I don't know, what else do we have? <laughs> We have some, so many things to eat on, you know, also Pasika is coming, Easter is coming, so it's good now for me, celebrating Friday. And also I don't do this uh, bowing down <laughs> so many times, <laughs> so I don't have any back pain or muscle ache or anything, because now my Friday is good. But not only that, but I understood... <laughs> But I understood why I am celebrating Good Friday. Before, I did not understand the purpose, the value, or anything. But now I understood why Christ died for me. How much God loved me. How much He did for me. You know, it was not an easy thing, but God did it all for me. So when I put my faith and trust in Him, my life transformed. I no longer think the way I used to think. I'm a new man. That's what Paul said. If, you, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, the old Mike, the one who was grumbling, the one who was hungry, is dead. Is no more. But the new Mike has come and is alive and understood what the gospel message is all about, what Christ has done for me. For some of us, growing up in a family where love and grace is exercised, it's so easy for us to think that it's everywhere. But it's not, that's not the case. Love is not found everywhere. Because love is a very expensive thing. You can't find it anywhere. But God has demonstrated that love for us. When I understood that love, I said, hallelujah, praise the Lord. I want this love. If someone can love me without judging me, if someone can take me in without going through all my records, then I am all in. I want to be changed. I want to be a new person. So there are... Some of us may be here this morning, young and old. I see a lot of young kids. Sometimes when we talk about these things, you feel like, what is this guy talking about? You know, sometimes you feel like this is like a myth, a story, because we hear it so many times and so many times. And you go, oh, I know the story, I know the story. But this is not a story. This is the story. This is... This, this math most. It's not like a passing remark that God's love for us is personal. It is real. If you think your parents love you, God loves you more. If you think your parents did something for you, God did more for you. He demonstrated that love for you. For those of us who have been hearing this message so many times, the message is true. And it is real. God's love is real. It is action-packed. It's practical. 
If you have never experienced this love before, now is the time. Now is the time. Now is the day of salvation for you. I suggest maybe now or later. Think of what God did for you, how much He has shown His love for you. It, God, it, it costed Him everything for you and I. So it's not like coming in and going out of the church. It's experiencing His love in a personal way. In, uh, in closing, in Mark chapter 15, from the passage that uh, Brooke just read for us, uh, there is an interesting statement that I'd like to bring to your attention. It says, in the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him amongst themselves. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He saved others but he can't save himself. Jesus could have saved himself, but if he did, he would not have saved us. You know how true that statement is. He saved others. He can't save himself. He chose not to save himself for our sake so that he can save us. So let us live our lives with this reality that we are loved, truly loved by God, that He has removed all condemnation away from us, and He has given us, blessed us with eternal life that is for now, for the present. Our daily reality should reflect that, that joy, that experience. Our life is full of worries, we have so many unanswered questions. There are so many uncertainties. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, yes. But we are living our eternal life despite that. It shouldn't affect that. It shouldn't affect us. We should learn to surrender those things to Him in faith and live the realities of the gospel every day. Let me pray. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whosoever loses his life for me will save it. Lord, we thank you for your ultimate sacrifice, for the way you chose not to save yourself in order to save us. The pain, the agony, the days that you experienced is for us, Lord. You have demonstrated your love in this. Even when we were still sinners, when we were broken, sinful, you loved us and died for us. You removed all shame, all condemnation away from us and blessed us with life that is real, that's meaningful, that is eternal, Lord. Help us to live this life with this reality. Help us to walk in your ways, in your truth. And for those who are here who may not 
know you personally, Lord. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would open their eyes, open their hearts to understand your truth, to understand what you did for them at a personal level. And for those of us who have experienced this love, Lord, I pray that this message would grow big, would grow deep in our hearts, and our lives would be tuned in that way, Lord. So we commit ourselves to you and we celebrate. It is Good Friday. It is good, Lord. What you did for us is good. And we can confidently say yes, Lord. And we thank you and we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen.